Hey, Amber. Hi, Megan. Welcome to Bad Movies Rock. Oh, why, thank you, Megan. Welcome to... Ooh. Uh, right there. It was right there. Well, you're here. Hi. Hi. So, Amber. Yes, yes, Megan. I'm focused. Laser, laser focused. <laughs> I see that. I see that with you looking away from me and paying attention to other things. And yeah, super, what? super focused. There's a cute dog behind me. Okay. Uh-huh. And I'm really scared of him. Mm-hmm. As one should be. Sides are so crazy, Megan. Mm-hmm. A little uh, 10-pound dog is terrifying. He's a 10-pound dog, but he's like 50 pounds of crazy. Yeah, just shoved all in there. Aw, look, he's curled up and laid down to plot his next move. Oh, adorable. adorable. I can't see that at all, but, you know. See how long it lasts. So, uh, what brings us here today to this place? Ooh, bad movies rock! Oh, I knew I'd get it. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's the prestige, Amber. It paid off. Ooh, topical. That's the wrong movie, though, isn't it? Damn it. I mean, but it's still like a magic movie. I feel like the prestige yes. is like a part of magic terminology. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't learn anything from watching this movie. What did we watch, Amber? Now you see me. Yeah. Well, Megan, I'm sure you'll have yeah. an easy time describing this movie succinctly, uh, but to my satisfaction. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, it's such a low bar. Is it? Yep, just hop right over. Give a little hippy hippy hoppy. I feel like the last like half dozen times I've tried to explain a movie at the end, you're like, that's not good enough. Hey, I want you to be your best and I don't push you. Who will? Okay. No one sure. loves you as much as I do, which means uh-huh. I'm going to be the meanest. Great. That sounds great. You don't polish a gemstone gently. You use razor blades and sandpaper and lemon juice. <laughs> I don't think any of that's true. Feels true. I said this it with ex- some confidence. This explains a lot about your relationships, Amber. Hmm. <laughs> Why hmm. they're so short and end in restraining orders? Yep. Yeah. So much to be proud of. So, now you mm-hmm. see me. Go, Megan. I believe in yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, well, this is a magic movie. Like a magic movie and that is like, oh, it's so magical. Or... It's about magic. It's about magicians I doing magic that. things. Right. You watched it with me, so, you know. I was I was also there. Yes. So um, it essentially has these four solo act ma- magicians come together. So we've got Jesse Eisenberg as Danny, Woody Harrelson as Merritt, Isla Fisher as Henley, and Dave Franco as Jack. And they're kind of brought together by this unknown person that we don't get to know who it is until the very end of the movie. Um, The Prestige, if you will. And um, they're set on like a year-long mission to do this thing. Again, we don't know exactly what the purpose of this thing is until the very end of the movie. I'm with you so far. Good. Um, Yeah, we basically see them... um, do a big magic show in Reno? Yeah. Las Vegas? Somewhere. One of the gambling places. Don't worry about it. Yeah, where they, um, they're they going to rob a bank from the stage. And they do. They they manage to um, rob, rob a bank in France from the stage. So um, you have them doing this 
you know, magic trick, but it ended in a real bank robbery. And so the police get involved. And Morgan Freeman also gets involved because he is like a, he's like a real uh, pen and teller where he's like proving how magic trick tricks work and he he works with the police sometimes to kind of explain how this magic trick worked yes a mercenary debunker yeah exactly right um you've got mark ruffalo as dylan and melanie laurent as alma who's an interpol person so we've got fbi and interpol working together to chase these um folks down and figure out how they did it um yeah then there's two more magic acts where they either steal things or it's mostly stealing things i suppose stealing money from different people or um agencies and they frame morgan freeman for it and then we find out mark ruffalo is the um they've been calling themselves the four horsemen mark ruffalo is the fifth horseman who brought them all together and it was all one big giant revenge plot because mark ruffalo's father was a magician who died in a safe um that was at the bottom of a lake and so he was punishing all the people that um led to his death um magic <laughs> magic mm-hmm. yep don't worry about it mm-hmm. yeah the whole point was for the four Solo acts became the four horsemen. Yep. They the whole revenge plot was also uh, an initiation to be inducted into a magical society, which yeah, a, a allegedly has real magic. But what they mean by that we don't know because they all disappear into a carousel. Right, exactly. Don't worry about it. I'm sure it will um be thoroughly explained in a very reasonable fashion and now you see me too. Which such a missed opportunity. Now you don't. Why? Why didn't they just call it Now You Don't? I don't know, Amber. I couldn't tell you. Brand recognition? Is that more important than being moderately clever? Apparently. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the basics of, of this movie. And it just gets wild and um, silly and very convoluted. And you had to explain some of the plot to me at the end. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Not even sure I did a good job of it. But you know who did do a good job, Megan? Who's that? You. Just now. Thank you, Amber. Aw, thanks. Aw, shucks. I will not have to plan a complex revenge against you using four magicians (laughs) for this description. Phew. (laughs) Not this description. Previous descriptions, for sure, but not this one. That's true. And considering how long in coming this revenge was, I guess maybe in five or six years, you'll have reaped the whirlwind. (laughs) Yes. Uh Uh-huh. My safes and money will have all disappeared. Yes. I will have stolen all of the things. Mm-hmm. and then framed you or one of the two things will happen to you so yeah. some people got stolen from and then another dude got framed amber um shall we go into the critics corner here let's ease on into the critics corner we haven't destroyed it recently and we built it so poorly that i'm a little afraid of its structural integrity yeah i think that's fair so the critics on rotten tomatoes gave this movie a 50 percent, and the audience score was 70 whoa really yeah really that's identical to metacritic's breakdown weirdsies 
hmm. I like how I think that's interesting when it's just kind of a, oh, look, the numbers how are the it same. Is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it has been rarely true, even though they're working off of a lot of the same critics. But That's really. true. They use a different metric, but this time it all came out in the wash. Um, so like the, the good reviews are like, it's an engaging little summer caper. And the bad reviews are, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a caper. Engaging little summer caper. Oh, Aren't you? you? Oh, are you? What a little caper you are. <laughs> Just a little bit condescending, no? <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the cast is praised. Um, the magic tricks people seem to think are pretty spectacular um but that it gets kind of convoluted um glittery uninvolving those are the bad things that the critics said yeah it it was it was very similar blurbs pulled on Mm -hmm. on metacritic there was a little more focus on they essentially said it's the prestige meets oceans 11 Mm, some people compared it favorably some people said it was better than that and some people Mm -hmm. were like this is the poor man's combo gotcha I like a heist, Amber. Oh, yeah. No, I, I I'm like in for it. a heist. I like a heist. I even like a, a poor heist. This was mm-hmm. a fine heist. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it's a lot more harping on the lack of substance of the characters in the blurbs that were pulled on Metacritic for sure. the mixed reviews. Like, there's just not a lot of a development and um, they're kind of shallow and you're, yeah. yeah, but a lot of the, the convoluted capering did did get them dinged a bit. Yeah. I do think that there is... Um, it can be really hard when you have such a big cast of like really famous people. If you got the four horsemen, then you got Mark Ruffalo, Melanie Laurent, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine. Um, Common is in there for like three or four lines. <laughs> and like just and that's not, you know, those are the big those are the big names. And having them all really get developed is is tough. Most of the focus winds up being on Mark Ruffalo and and Melanie, Melanie Leroy and 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 less so on the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think to keep the magic magic, you just kind of see the Four Horsemen doing their magic tricks rather than seeing the planning because they want that to be secret. Um, and they do a little bit at the end where they kind of rewind and show you how a few things are done, but. Um, yeah, but we stick with mostly the folks that are trying to catch them. Yeah, I'm okay with these. Uh, that sounds about right for critics. I'm 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 okay leaving the critics' corner unscathed. Yep, fifty's good. Fifty makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a a fair fair mashup of of good and bad. Yep, it's shiny and fun. It got a sequel. It made enough money, but it is not a brain buster. It's not overtly clever, uh, but it has definitely got all the glitz and glamour of something that. We'll put you in a seat and keep you there at least once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say that this movie, for like some dumb reason, decided to use um, the T word for transgender out of Woody Harrelson's mouth. It was very upsetting and not okay. Super bad. You don't do that. No. For no reason. yeah, it was one of those kind of like in Charlie's Angels with the brown face. Like it was a throwaway thing. They thought they were making a joke, but they weren't. And it just like, just take that shit out of the movie. That's super upsetting. And yeah. So casually. So, I mean, it's 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 that callous casual nature of the, hey, let's make a fun joke. Oh, God, no. Somebody in that room, tell them no. 
Yeah. And then we come also to the part where the only person of color in this movie is Morgan Freeman. And, and Common. Uh, We've also got Common. Oh, it's, of course, Common. It's easy I, to forget Common because he's literally <laughs> in it for maybe 15 seconds total. Oh, it's too bad. It's and really, he has three-ish lines. Yeah, it's really... That is a misuse of Common. That he should is a be waste a lo- of Common. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman is the asshole that... Um, told Mark Ruffalo's father's secret secrets magical secrets and um kind of made Mark Ruffalo's father go for this big trick that ended up killing him and so therefore he is framed for being the fifth horseman and stealing all the money and so yes. he ends up in jail he egged him on into doing yes. something something stupid or maybe not mm-hmm. stupid cuz it shouldn't have been stupid because of the safe company cutting corners and making a cheap safe so it's it's it lays at the feet of a lot of parties yes who must All be of... vengeance it's a movie of vengeance it is this it is sure is very this is very the count of monte cristo with magicians mm-hmm. complicated ass vengeance and so mark ruffalo's dad died when he was 12 mark ruffalo must be let's call him 40 something so like 30 years ago his father died, and he said at the end of the movie that he's been planning this heist for a third since he was twelve. It's like, really? You were? Well, y- you counted on the internet and like holograms and like. <laughs> I assume the plans got updated over okay. time. Sure. Uh-huh. And, and and they seed the fact that you know the best tricks are done, you know when you when you plan them ahead of time, like the whole yeah. card in the tree thing. Like you put the mm-hmm. put a card in a tree, and then you wait. 20 years and then you're like oh magic trick somehow the card got in the tree because his father did that at some point so clever so clever so Mm -hmm. mark ruffalo is as clever as his father only less about the whimsy more about the revenge yeah so um now that we've yelled at the movie for being totally horrid for no reason at all not that there's ever, I mean, again, I know we do this, like we'll say I know. for no reason, but sometimes it seems like they attempt to make it have a, have a reason, have a purpose, accomplish have a, a goal. Point. You yeah. don't do that either. But when it is just that, bink, we're just going to put this in, ah, ha, 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 funny we're joke. Just, yeah, we're just going to really be mean to underrepresented people and just really be trash anywho okay so amber this movie starts with jesse eisenberg doing a real ass trick to the camera a real ass trick you say yeah he's doing a street magician trick and he shows his audience as well as us the audience um a deck of cards and kind of flips through them and asks us to pick a card and you and i both said the Seven of Diamonds. Oh, yeah, no, they, they make it very clear that they want you to do the Seven of Diamonds because it's the card you see for the longest and the most mm-hmm. clearly. Yep. And apparently this is a real, real trick. Um, you can do it a number of different ways. You can put multiple Seven of Diamonds in the deck. You can, like, put your thumb near that card so it, like, it, when you flip through the deck, it it stays on that card for just a little bit longer and registers to your brain. And then, and, and then when he shows her the deck of cards all fanned out, she doesn't see her card, but then he <gasps> gestures to the skyscraper behind him 
And all the lights in the building show up to do a seven of diamonds. Whoa. What? You just blew my mind with real yeah. ass magic. Except, yeah. well, fake ass, real ass magic. But like real, he did, yeah. he did a real trick. He did a real trick. Yeah. Or somebody's hands did a real trick. Somebody's hair, exactly. Skilled hands yeah. did a real trick. <laughs> and you said that um, they worked with some real magicians like David Copperfield, right? Yeah, one of the reviews mentioned that they they worked with a well-known illusionist and, and David Copperfield in particular to plan the tricks and they orchestrate them and make it so they used CGI as little as possible. Yeah. Which is nice because doing a movie about, you know, illusion work, it's, it's stuff that takes a lot of skill and usually you just have an audience of people staring at you the entire time. You don't get to make cuts and yeah. embellish with computer effects. And so it, yep. it kind of makes it so you, you don't really have a grasp on the skill that's actually going into the things that you're seeing. Yes. Which I think is a, is a yeah, it, it makes this movie seem... It's nice to know that, that probably more than what you expect is actual skilled illusion work, as yes. opposed to easy CGI and right. camera tricks. Right. What other things do we want to say about this movie? I was more interested in kind of the interplay between the four horsemen than I was in Mark Ruffalo and uh, Melanie Laurent. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo, who ends up, you know, being the orchestrator of all this. Like, if you rewatch this movie knowing that he is the fifth horseman and, um, I mean, he just plays an asshole the entire time, even when, like, nobody's really watching him. And you're just like, <laughs> so you're just so in the role that you're just going to be a fucking dick to Melanie Laurent, even like, what? Yeah, I mean, it's the whole point being to, you know, fool the audience and fool Melanie. Sure. And, and you know, arguments can be made that, okay, he goes so excessively overboard in her presence specifically because she is competent. Yeah, yeah. So... Leading the rest of the FBI around by the nose, not that hard because he doesn't have that much oversight. But with mm -hmm. her with him all the time, it's like he has to dial it up to a 10 in order to get her focused on him and not focused on them. Right. You can make that argument, but it doesn't make it any more pleasant to watch. No, it does not. Because he's aggressively just a dickwad. Yeah, that he really is. keeps calling her just a little French girl. He's demeaning. Mm -hmm. He's condescending. He's aggressive. At one point, he grabs her and refuses to let go of her, and then she face plants him into the bar. Love that moment. Mm-hmm. That's good. Deserved uh, it. And then she still falls for him. Yeah, that was kind of blah. Which I can understand-ish mm -hmm. if you want to make that push. Yeah. Once she gets the reveal, when he approaches her yeah. on, on that love bridge of locks and keys to... You know, explain what happened and why he did it and that he's been leading her around by the nose and to show that, of course, she's not going to arrest him. She's too deeply in love with him and loves the magic too much. Uh -huh. She wants to believe, Megan. Yes, she does. But she's falling for him before that, too. Yeah, yeah, she definitely, yeah, kisses him before the big reveal. Before he rips off that mask of, oh, no, I'm not this angry incompetent misogynistic guy i'm actually very intelligent and calculating and vengeance riddled and so vengeance love me 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't love the... You know, she could see beneath the mask. If she could have, then she yeah. probably would have cottoned on to what was going on. Right. Yep. You don't love that romance. Mm-hmm. That was not earned. And I, the women in this movie, the characters themselves, mm-hmm. I'm fine with. Yep. The treatment of those characters, less fine with. Yeah. You have two women, mm-hmm. basically. You have some women showing up as the assistants of Morgan Freeman and I think to a lesser extent... Michael Caine. Yeah. So you have Isla Fisher and you have Melanie in the Wrong. And they are... So Isla Fisher in particular, each of the four horsemen gets an introduction. You see their their street show work. Mm-hmm. And Isla Fisher's involves having her clothing ripped off. Yeah. So she's essentially wearing a sparkly bathing suit. And then having the men in the audience just rabidly screaming... When her legs are revealed. Yeah, uh-huh. And then she's, you know, dropped into a tank and, and, you know, the men tried to rescue her from her illusion. And that's that's fine and that's lovely. But she, obviously, so much more so than the other three, is objectified and sexualized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And for the rest of it, she's as fully clothed as the rest of them. She's not sexualized as an object of it. She's, she's you know, in the Four Horsemen production, she is as much an equal as the rest of them other than Jesse Eisenberg is, for some reason, the de facto leader. Mm-hmm. despite being a huge asshole yeah. <laughs> like your two main men are just arrogant dicks yeah i mean you have jesse eisenberg making you know i guess i guess isla fisher and him had a past maybe but then you also have woody harrelson like talking about like exactly ugh, like it, how, yeah like how she hasn't had sex in a while and how he can be her corkscrew gross dude gross she's sexualized Obviously, yeah. and 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 not in a like obviously not in a necessary way, and obviously not in a helpful way, and in you know I feel like you don't necessarily have a lot of I can't think of a prominent female magician or illusionist. I'm not really tapped into that world, but yeah. I imagine it is probably majority men, and mm-hmm. like most majority man fields, I'm sure that comes with all of the baggage you would expect. Yeah, and so it yep. seems a bit like a missed opportunity not to at least touch on that slightly. Yep. And kind of register or acknowledge what more she'd have to do to be acknowledged as, you know, a powerhouse in the field. Yep. Especially having started as Jesse Eisenberg's assistant. That's None right. of them yes. are labeled as like having been less than having been assistants except for her. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, went off on her own. And they make comments about her weight. They make comments about oh gosh, yeah. wanting to, to have sex with her. Jesse Eisenberg twice. Yeah. And so it's, she's. They, they make it clear that they're aware of her gender. Yeah. But yep. they don't actually try and push the needle one way or another. And in right. fact, lean into it. Yeah, which is just, why would you... Yeah. And then Melanie Laurent is, is, you know, becomes a love interest for Mark Ruffalo. Fine, I kind of get it. That's just how movies work. And she is like a strong character. But at the mm-hmm. same time, a lot of his interactions with her are him being more dismissive and condescending towards her in particular, which... Again, you could say it was in order to cover for the fact that he was a naughty, naughty fifth horseman, but ugh. she was yeah. a, an adult human Interpol agent, and he kept yeah. calling her French girl. Yeah. As she was into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But other than that, mm-hmm. other than using the T word and missed opportunities and kind of grossness with the only two women who really had major speaking roles in the movie, mm-hmm. still... It was it was entertaining. It was an entertaining 
glitzy little movie. It is. Uh, so um, maybe I would like to touch on um, the big kind of big pieces just a little bit. Um, and the first thing they do is they steal 5 million euros, I think, from a French bank. Um, and the way they did it was they pre-stole the money and then replaced the money with flash paper that looks like money. And then the flash paper burned all up and left no trace. And therefore it was gone when they um, were looking for it the next morning with the bank opened. Just shows you the kind of care, attention, planning, and precision that go into, you know, just this, this quick trick that happens on stage. I mean, in, in an instant, you see mm-hmm. days, hours, months of planning. And then the next big trick is that they, they've they been traveling with um, Michael Caine, um, who was, like, funding, I guess, their um, elaborate Las Vegas show, and um, they do another show and in that show and they go to New Orleans to do the show and in that show. So the trick is that they guess the amount of money everybody in the audience has in their bank account. Um, and but then they say, oh, but that's not right. And then they bring Michael Caine on stage and show his bank account number, which is over one hundred and forty million dollars. And. Um, then they make the money come out of Michael Caine's bank account and into all the audience's bank accounts. And we find out it's because um, these folks were all people um, who lost, you know, property, people, um, houses in Katrina, and Michael Caine's insurance company refused to give these folks payment on their insurance claims. So they giving it to him right out of uh, Michael Caine's pocket. Yeah, and this is after they've seeded the idea that there's some secret society called the Eye. And it goes all the way back to Egypt when people stole food from the pharaohs to give to slaves. Like, essentially, mm-hmm. they invented sleight-of-hand magic so that they could Robin Hood it up. Obviously, the uh, origin of magic, yep. Redistribution of wealth. So you very strongly have the idea that, you know, the whole tarot cards leading the four of them individually to come together as a group and do these very complex tricks over the course of a year is an initiation into this society. Right. Yep. And then the next big thing that they do is they um, steal the safe full of money. Is that right? Yes. They, they, they break into a big safe. Yep. They well, okay, actually before this, they go through this whole thing where Mark Ruffalo and the police go find them the four horsemen in their apartment and they go through this whole thing where um Melanie Laurent and Mark Ruffalo end up chasing uh Dave Franco in a car. And how they knew this was going to happen I don't know, because Mark Ruffalo didn't have to chase them because he's the fifth horseman. But then Melanie Laurent steals the car, so they do chase him. But don't worry, they were re- the four horsemen were prepared with a corpse from the morgue to play um, Dave Franco. And they had a different, they had a car fashioned to a bus that Woody Harrelson was driving and... Um, Michael and uh, Eisenberg was 
in a taxi with a bit very bad mustache and they like switched out the cars and then um luckily the car exploded and left um dave franco um or more uh aptly the the dead morgue corpse um unrecognizable so they think now dave franco is dead which doesn't really play into anything except we're supposed to think he's dead see you're saying luckily and somehow but this is magic (laughs) Baby. You're right. This is planning and precision mm-hmm. and execution. This is uh-huh. skill. This is being students of human nature and prepping and knowing the roots. This was not accidental. Like that car didn't whoopsie catch fire. That was orchestrated. You're right. You're right. Come on. Come on. Always. We were have told a... that they'd be seven steps ahead of us and the smartest guy in the room mm-hmm. and that they were gonna they wanted us to come in close. Come in close right. and look. Because we wouldn't see. Right. We're too close. Too close, Amber. We can't see the big picture. And that's why you always have a corpse available to you. I mean, a corpse is always handy. Yeah. Never know when you're going to have to unnecessarily fake your own death. Mm-hmm. ABC. Always be corpse. Having ABCH. ABCH. Always be corpsing. You always know? be I feel corpsing. Like... Yeah. Always have a corpse in your back pocket. I think the 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 fun part of this scene is 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 obviously you know you have the FBI storming the building where the four horsemen are. They seem to mm-hmm. anticipate it. Well, obviously they anticipate it because they also have created the circumstances for Dave Franco's crash and untimely right. not death. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy the fight between Dave Franco and Mark Ruffalo. It's uh-huh. like a magician brawl of like hand to hand, sleight of hand, pickpocketing, card throwing. Mm-hmm. Shoving a guy's jacket in a disposal. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like handcuffs it's... on you. No, the handcuffs on me. Oh. <laughs> now the handcuffs on the chair. Now you're on the chair. Now the chair's a weapon. Now he has to choose between a pack of cards and a poker as a weapon to get Mark Ruffalo away from him. Of course he goes with the cards. He is a precision Obviously. card thrower. Yep. I imagine is a handy skill. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that was a that was a, a fun magician fisticuffs moment yes it was that's how a pickpocket magician would fight good to know i'm not sure i've seen that before believable for sure highly believable so from the paperwork that mark ruffalo saved from the unknown corpse um they find out that the four horsemen are going to steal a bunch of money from an elkhorn safe the elkhorn safe now amber obviously was the safe that mark ruffalo's dad died in at the bottom of a river because they made the safe at that time with substandard steel and so the safe warped when it got under pressure and his dad wasn't able to get out so he drowned i don't know why i don't know whose money it is i guess we're to suppose it's elkhorn's money but i don't understand why that would be or it may be that elkhorn has to like is is providing insurance for the money if if their safe is cracked Mm-hmm. then they they owe them the money that's lost. I don't know whose money it is. Yeah, that's never really... But it is, I guess, it's it's egg on Elkhorn's face that somebody yeah. broke into it. Yep, exactly. Not the FBI, who had prior knowledge. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, this is sticking it to Elkhorn. Yeah, take that. And in order for the FBI to know that the four horsemen were going after the safe, mm-hmm. 
they needed to get that piece of paper from a car they'd rigged to explode. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was the only thing that let them know where they were going. There was nothing mm-hmm. else in the apartment that, that, that told them. Yes? Yes. I could be wrong, but it kind of feels like, yeah, Mark Ruffalo had to go into that burning car, try to save mm-hmm. a corpse, and then snatch that piece of paper from the jaws of a fiery death. Right. In order to know that the safe was the next target. Right. And he also had to count on Melanie Laurent stealing a car and coming to get him to chase after um, that car. Yes. I guess Obviously. so. Mm-hmm. Who knows what? Ooh, yeah. When Melanie and Laurent... So essentially, because Melanie and Laurent is, is Interpol, she doesn't have jurisdiction, so she's not allowed to go on the raid. But ooh, mm-hmm. wouldn't you know it, she chafes against that. And so when the four horsemen are escaping, she goes and commandeers a vehicle from this white dude on a cell phone who's getting into a BMW. And I just yep. had this moment of, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. As I have an unreasoning prejudice against white dudes. Yeah, it's just I feel like there's a better than 50% chance that that person is probably an asshole. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's my prejudice. That's what I have to live with. Yeah, every day. It's a burden. Yeah. But anytime I see a white dude on a cell phone in a BMW, I'm thinking I probably wouldn't like you. Yeah, I don't think I want to hang out with you. And I appreciate that she's not stealing a car from, you know, a middle to, you know, poor person. Mm-hmm. As they need that car. They don't need that to be part of some chase. They're probably off to work to pick right. up their kids. They're doing yeah. something important. But I see that white dude and his BMW and his cell phone and I think, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You'll get where well, you're going and you probably don't even really need to be there. Yeah, he'll get there. He'll don't get worry there. about it. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. she They had to know that Melanie Laurent would carjack some guy yeah and to be fair mark ruffalo did say stay in the car which probably triggered it was like the like um oh you're saying that he planted a suggestion yeah that he magicianed her brain Mm -hmm. don't go to carjack that white dude he said whatever you do so you'd be like don't go carjack that guy yeah Mm -hmm. you, you, you 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 subliminal the don't yeah or not, you anti-subliminal the don't, you subliminal the do, do won't. Yeah, and that's kind of the the, the final bit is them, um, like, kind of, like, t- having this big final show where they allegedly um, spread all the money that they stole from that Elkhorn safe to everybody at the show. Turns out it's not the real money. They put the real bunny into Morgan Freeman's car and then frame him for being the fifth horseman and therefore get back at him for taunting Mark Ruffalo's dad. And of course, yeah, of course the four horsemen have no idea that that is at all what they are doing. The entire time. They are just following instructions. Mm -hmm. Yep. So like these four people like stuck it to... I mean, it's fine. I suppose I'm okay sticking it to like a bank or a insurance person, but like they don't really know anything about Morgan Freeman. Like they're ruining his life, and I guess they're like, well, he, I guess he deserves it, and or we don't care. Probably has it coming, and also I just want to be a part of the secret society. So, <laughs> book it. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you have a secret society, you definitely want to induct people who are willing to just take orders on faith. 
Yeah, the final scene is just Mark Ruffalo prestiging it and like revealing that his dad was the was Shriker, the guy who um, Shriker, Shriker, wasn't it? Shriker? <laughs> oh, Shrike. I guess his last name is Shrike. Huh? Commander Shrike. Shriker. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the big reveal that he was the mastermind, and this is why he did it as revenge. Yes, good old yes. revenge. He dunks on Morgan Freeman. As, mm-hmm. as Morgan Freeman has, has been thrown into a jail cell that looks just old-timey like dank. Dungeon, yeah. It looks like a dungeon, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, Mark Ruffalo goes to talk to him. Morgan Freeman's like, I've been set up. This will never hold. And Mark Ruffalo's, yeah, I know you've been set up. Let me tell you how badly you've been set up, old man. <laughs> Victory lap, spike the ball. Yeah. I also like that. I mean, that's a lot of confidence he has in his plan because, like, at this point, Morgan Freeman's going to be able to at least say that Mark Ruffalo's father was this. Like, he's going to make some connections, and that might at least throw some doubt into a jury's mind. Whatever, fine. Yeah, there's that question of of. I assume the FBI does some pretty badass background checks in its hiring process. So even if he's changed his name, there would be a record of that and they'd know. And then maybe that's why they have him head up their organized magician crime unit. Because <laughs> he's got the insider knowledge. <laughs> but then Morgan Freeman wouldn't know that, who up until this point has kind of been on top of his shit. He's explained to whoever would Everything. listen how each of the horsemen's tricks up to this point had worked. And then suddenly he's caught flat-footed mm-hmm. in this moment. Yeah. For Mark Ruffalo to just go dunky dunk, 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 dancey yeah. dance, dance, dance. Fuck you, motherfucker. I've been waiting for this for 30 years. Hey, Amber. Hey, yes, hey, 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 Amber. Yes, my SMU. S- special, ma- special Magicians Unit. <laughs> special special Magicians Unit. <laughs> I'd watch that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I hate to see bunny on bunny crime like this. <laughs> What'd you think of this funny little movie, Megan? Well, on the rock scale, nope. Amber, that's where not what R I asked you. I didn't ask you about that. I don't care what R is. I don't care o what R is. O is outstanding. I, I don't C care what is that is balls and K is K. Oh, dear Lord. I would say that this movie is somewhere between a K with some craze balls moments, for sure. There's some fun heisty craze balls in there. Definitely true. Definitely true. There, there are a couple of, of funny moments. There are, yeah, a couple of like the good heisty moments of showing how it's done. The tricks mm-hmm. are done with a lot of glitz and glamour and sweeping camera shots and epic music, which is a bit over the top, but also, you know, you're doing a movie about magic. And so you're trying to yeah. make it glitzy and shiny and pretty. And it's, it is entertaining. Yeah. Um, enough so that you don't look at the two hour runtime and think, oh, yeah, yeah. There's enough going on that you make it through without kind of thinking, is it over? Yeah, agreed. All right, it's okay with some Craze Balls moments. Based on the rock scale. Yay, rock scale. Ugh. Let's just... Let's just move on. Tell me an Abby story. Do it. Well... Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Why, I will, Amber. So Abby was up here um, for the weekend, and then she stayed an extra day and hung out with me and Daba. And we went to the Eric Carl Museum, and we went to um, the diner... And generally had a good time. But when we were leaving the Eric Carl Museum, she was she was tired. And it had been a long few days of travel and such. And um, 
I was trying to get her to put her coat on and she refused. She straight up refused, refused. Um, and, um, so I said, okay, if you don't put your coat on, you're going to have to carry it out to the car. And this put her into a bunch of tears and we also had to go cause we were meeting, um, Dan, um, uh, kind of halfway between my place and his place so that he could pick up Abby and he had a thing to do later. So he couldn't like, we didn't want to be too late and blah, blah, blah. So, um, I kind of like, all right, give me your hand. And like, she wasn't really holding the coat. I was holding the coat like over her arm and she was just very sad the whole way to the car and cold, I'm sure. Cause it's chilly out. Um, anyway, she calmed down pretty quickly. Um, after we got in the car, um, she ended up taking a nap and um that's what she really needed but before she did and as we were driving down um she said to me Maggie you make me happy you make me happy even when I have to carry my coat to the car (laughs) oh she's good she's very good she's very good (laughs) wow oh so sweet (laughs) dag she is gonna go far in life yeah Mm -hmm. i mean you can get away with anything if that's how you just wrap it up put that bow on that thing and you forget you forget how you got there you're almost grateful for how you got there Mm -hmm. even when things are tough you're my light yeah light at the end of a dark temper tunnel yeah oh she's very sweet Hey, Amber. Yes, Megan. Do you have a recommendation? Less a recommendation and more just what I couldn't stop thinking about while I was watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to hear it. I'm not saying you should watch this. I'm just saying I just watched all seven seasons of it. Oh, shit. Very quickly. Very recently. I actually think I think I just finished it maybe last week. I'm not proud of this. I'm not saying you should do this. In fact, I'm pretty sure you should not do this. But I just finished watching The Mentalist. Ah, yes. And mentalism is in this and pickpocketing. And it's just, it it made me think of it because I just spent, I don't want to calculate how many hours watching a show based around some guy who does sleight of hand and mentalism. Mm -hmm. We watched the show together, all of it. Yes, we did. That Mm -hmm. would make this the second time I've done this. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh-huh. The, the shame is now up to my eyeballs. Before mm-hmm. it was chin level, but that just pushed it right up to the top. It's a fun. It's it is a fun show. It's ridiculous for sure. It's very it's very ridiculous. It's very silly. It's very you know police procedural plus cocky, basically super powered person. Yes, he yep. sees everything. He knows everything. He can tell if you're lying. He can tell if you're sleeping. He can mm-hmm. tell if you've been bad or good. But they do. He is also a coward. I do appreciate that the main character, played by Simon Baker, some blonde Australian actor, Mm -hmm. uh, is a coward. He's arrogant and condescending and he plays with people. But as soon as negative, violent consequences happen, he's ducking and running and begging not to be hurt, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. And then the the strong character in it is is played by um, Robin Tunney. Yes. Robin Tunney, who I love her. Maybe yeah, just she's because great. she's the, the star of the craft and, and also because she's great in the show. But they, I, I enjoy her character. She's tough. She's funny. She's sassy. She falls for him, which fine. Okay, you know, seven years. You're allowed to do that if you want to. There's substance there, I suppose. 
Yep. But yeah, there's just a, a I, I like her the best about the show, which I think she's a, a very excellent, solid, strong she female is. lead. Yeah, and also just, is, yeah, there's sure. a special place in my heart for Robin Tunney for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, The Mentalist. Excellent. A thing I thought of while watching this and <laughs> that I watched recently. Not necessarily saying you should watch it, but if you want to kind of do something silly, turn your brain off and you don't mind that murder is also a part of it, but sort of whimsically for some reason, mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hi, Megan. Hi, Amber. Do you have a recommendation? I do have a recommendation, and this is um, partially because I was thinking of um, this movie using a terrible word, and partially because um, when Abby and I went to the Eric Carr Museum, they had a display of books for... Sorry, what is the Eric Carr Museum? Explain this to me because I don't know Sorry. what that is. I have Sorry. no idea what Eric Carr or a museum have to do with each other. So it's it's Eric Carl, and he's the one who wrote The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar. He's a children's author, um, and the whole museum is like a children's um, book museum. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a nerdy museum for yep. nerdy parents to bring their nerdy children. Yes, exactly right. Awesome. Please mm-hmm. continue. Yes. So... Um, we went there and we went to the library in there and they had a display for Transgender Awareness Week. And in this display, there was a book um, that I'd actually gotten Abby a while ago called It Feels Good to Be Yourself. It is a book by Teresa Thorne um, and Noah Gringy. And they wrote it to kind of talk about um, the different gender spectrums and um, as a way to talk to your kids about um, gender. And there was a whole bunch of really good books. I Am Jazz was there by Jazz Jennings. Um, My Princess Boy was there by Cheryl, Cheryl Killa Davis. Um, and so Abby and I spent some time reading those books and that was delightful. I just wanted to say that it feels good to be yourself is just, it's beautiful. Um, the artwork by Noah, they did an amazing job and it's gorgeous. Um, and it was just, it was, um, yeah, really lovely to read, really lovely to see kind of all these books and resources available for parents and kids to kind of talk about gender for your really young kids. Cool. So heartwarming moment of important social education mm-hmm. and a crappy CBS show. Yeah, exactly. Once again, you've been <laughs> taken from one end of the spectrum to the other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're welcome for being the polar opposite of whatever Megan just gave you. <laughs> Substance, I guess. Does mm-hmm. that make me void? Oh, I'm arc in your void, something like that. No, I feel like more like the black hole that will eventually consume everything. Oh, well, that makes you everything, Ember. One day, Megan. <laughs> One day. Oh, dear. Well, I guess we're done. Uh, That was lovely. Yeah. And I guess I'll see you sometime next week. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what we do? Excellent. Well, I'll close this off as we always do and say, like I always say. But you don't because it's a lie. You lie. At the end of every episode, you're full of lies and just bonkers weirdness. Amber? Oh, dear. Rock lobster. That's it. That's just rock lobster. You heard me. Not even... The whole thing, not even a saying, 
just rock, rock lobster, Amber. Rock rock lobster. Yeah. You feel proud? Rock lobster. You feel good about yourself right now? Rock lobster. Okay. Bye, Megan. Bye, Amber. <laughs> <laughs>